On today's show, it gets all the way macho. We lean all the way into all things macho. Longtime listeners of the show understand uh, uh, the the origin of the macho as it as it pertains to Rob observations. And today we are giving you the first annual, the first ever macho awards. Macho writer, macho artist. What was the most macho series? of the last year. Macho Publisher, a Macho Lifetime Achievement Award. We get all macho up in this place today in a very special edition of Rob Observations. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Rob Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. I have been making comics professionally, moving in on 34 years here, and I have been loving, loving the comic books for, uh, let's see, about 46 46 years? Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, 47 years, 47 years. My love affair with comics, all things comics, I bring it to you here each and every week, and we have got a very special episode, unlike any episode we have ever done before this is the Macho Awards episode. Yes, we're handing out awards this episode. In the season of award shows, I would be remiss if I did not give you you know, awards based on how I see things through a lens and a phrase that has become all too familiar here on the Rob Observation Show. Something that took uh, that I, honestly, that you guys have, have, t- have taken further than I ever thought it could be taken, and that is the moniker of Macho. It's a Macho show. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack into this uh, when we get around to giving out the actual Macho awards and and kind of explain if you're new to the show why it's called the Macho Awards and what you're going to be experiencing throughout the course of the Macho Awards. But before that. Before I get to that, I want to comment briefly on, uh, I mean, literally 160 plus episodes now, maybe more of this show. I have been coming at you. I started really with my own journey in the early 70s, 1974, issues of The Avengers, Fantastic Four. I was definitely more Marvel than DC at that age. Late 70s, all throughout the 80s, very much uh, I I felt DC was toe-to-toe, pound-for-pound doing stuff just as interesting, just as exciting, just as innovative as anything Marvel was doing. Uh, as a professional, moved into the comic book sphere and uh, made carved out a career for myself, met a group of kick-ass peers. We launched a comic company called Image Comics that is enjoying its 30th anniversary uh, this year. So I've seen a lot, I've done a lot, I've, I've been around, I've observed a lot, and... Uh, a couple episodes back, really, uh, again, I do these episodes. I never know which ones are going to pop, but an, an episode on the best eras of comic books really popped. It really popped with you guys. And I really looked at it through multiple criteria, uh, fan engagement, or as I called it, fan engagement, fan electricity, what really excited the fans at the time. You could see it, it was palatable, uh, sales numbers, 
just just record sales numbers achieved the consistency of the sales numbers across you know multiple years and then finally character creation which eras really popped and really it came down to a photo finish between the the bronze age and this uh the 90s because i don't know i don't know what they're calling the 90s anymore i know it's not the bronze era but uh the thing is, and it's just easier to call it the 90s, you instantly understand everything I'm saying if I just say the 90s. Uh, and that come, that goes for television, you know, Beverly Hills 90210, Melrose Place, uh, uh, you know, Saved by the Bell, uh, Full House, um, you know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam. We, we, we you know, we, we just get it instantly. Friends, Seinfeld, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. The 90s is just boom. It just immediately, it be, beyond the comic books, which are X-Force, X-Men, Spider-Man, Youngblood, Brigade, Cyberforce, Spawn. You know, it, it just pops for you. It just pops. But the 90s got the nod uh, because the fan engagement and the sales were just overwhelming. But in terms of character creation, I really felt like the 70s could go toe-to-toe. This reason I'm bringing this subject up is uh, just this last you know, couple months since the fall, a bunch of new shows, some some not new shows, some returning episode, uh, returning seasons, but they made an impact like they never made before you know, on television slash streaming. And so I I am and have been an avid Yellowstone watcher. I've talked about it here on the show. Uh, Taylor Sheridan I think is an absolute genius as a writer, creator, producer. Sometimes he directs. He also acts in both eighteen eighty three. And Yellowstone, and in the fourth season of Yellowstone, it just exploded, and it became the number one show on television on the the, the SAG Awards, where the Screen Actors Guild gives out their awards every year. On the red carpet the other day, they were all being interviewed. Kevin Costner was being interviewed by the different hosts and hostesses, and like, what's it like, you know, that Yellowstone is the number one show on television? And he's like, well, it's exciting. After four years, you know, people are really finding us. And, uh, you know, then 1883 is a giant monster success. Uh, Yellowstone's getting like 18 million viewers where like a, a hit network show is getting six to seven, maybe eight million viewers. I mean, these, these numbers that Yellowstone are do, is doing is crazy, but that's not even the show that I'm going I'm to talk about. So my kids started talking about Euphoria on HBO. You might have heard about it, that the, the key centerpiece of the whole show is Zendaya. And, uh, you know, she, she uh, they, they watched it 2019 before the pandemic. And then it took several seasons to get season, several years to get season two up and running. But season two, you know, popped right in the, in the new year. And uh, my daughter was having viewing parties with her friends every Sunday. And uh, d- different person's house. And it was the buzz. And, and she was so excited. She's 18 years old senior in high school, uh, 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 you know, gathering of, uh, you know, equal amounts, boys and girls after the Super Bowl, we, my wife and I were at the Super Bowl. My son here said that, you know, we had just missed everybody when we got home. My daughter threw a Super Bowl party, but right after the Super Bowl, they all watched that week's euphoria. So euphoria is only two seasons. It just ended. And I'm not here to sell you the show. That's not it. I'm not here to sell you Euphoria. What I'm going to tell you is that Euphoria uh, was has been over the last several weeks, and and because of my daughter's interest in the show, I started watching it. 
again, still not here to sell you euphoria. It's dark. Every kid has a broken family. It's the first thing that I observed as a parent. I'm like, so everyone has a, a basically a bad dad, broken dad, criminal dad, runaway dad, molester dad. All the moms seem like they're unstable drunks. Um, but you know, it's the triumph of the kids and they're in their teenage drama. It's very dark, um, but but it's very witty and and I, I feel like that the creator is very much uh, in in the Paul Thomas Anderson. You know, if if Paul Thomas Anderson did did a, did a show on HBO Max, I really I do love the show. I, I I was shocked at how much I loved it. Still, what's the point? The point is that it's brand new, and when Yellowstone came out four seasons ago, it was brand new in 1883, which just started. You know, uh, that this this uh, late last fall, right before Christmas, is brand new. What these all have in common is they're not some brand that uh, they're not some existing IP that is being uh, you know expanded and dissected and created into multiple you know uh, six seven different franchises. Uh, these are new. They're fresh from fresh talents. Taylor Sheridan's been finding his own kind of voice since you know 2014 with Sicario. And, you know, he's arrived at this incredible moment where everything he touches is gold. When they asked Kevin Costner, why do you think it's it's so successful? He said, because Taylor Sheridan writes really great dialogue that everyone wishes they were saying. And, and, and our characters say things that other people are thinking and wish they could say out loud. And, and, and there's nothing better, he said, than saying it against the backdrop of the Montana mountains, the plains, the, the, the lakes. And, 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 and just the, the trees, the forest. And I'm like, wow, I, I felt like he hit it on the nose. But whether you like Westerns, whether you don't, these are brand new shows that are getting giant numbers. Euphoria is getting 17 million viewers. It is uh, averaging better than Game of Thrones in its first three seasons. Uh, it is a monster show for HBO Max. It's fresh. It's new. It wasn't, uh, you know, a comic book adaptation. It wasn't from uh, a novel. Uh, ditto Yellowstone, ditto 1883. What's the point, Liefeld? I'll tell you the point. In comic books, we can learn from this. I can learn from this. I've got all sorts of ideas that have been percolating. Um, I feel like I still haven't quite fully managed the ideas I launched 30 years ago. I've, I've had quite a bit to say with all of them, whether it was Prophet or Youngblood or Brigade or Bloodstrike. And I, I, I enjoy so much that I can indulge in them at any time. But I do have uh, so many new ideas and stories and I need to get about to doing them. And the big publishers, Marvel and DC, we don't need another Batman book. What we need is new, fresh material the, the Camelot 3000s, the Outsiders, the New Titans, what built DC into a powerhouse, what built Marvel into a powerhouse, Giant Size X-Men, Wolverine Storm, Colossus, you've heard me, I've covered all of these topics ad nauseum on this show, Electra Stick, they reinvigorated Daredevil, but even just standalone elements, standalone concepts and stories, it was an exciting time uh, in, 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 the, in the middle of the Bronze Age with all these new characters, you had the you had Moon Knight, you had Ghost Rider, you had Black Goliath, you had Black Lightning, so many great new characters, exploding all over the place. The thing that made you know the '90s so fun, Dark Hawk, 
Sleepwalker, Cable, Deadpool, Venom, Carnage. Uh, just so many new characters exploded uh, into our consciousness. They were new and people liked them. They were, you know, they stuck with it. it it's that old thing that, you know, Seinfeld, the first couple years was a very different show than the one that we eventually got. It found its voice. But in today's world, with today's trigger finger, trigger happy network uh, uh, executives, if it doesn't do well, it gets pulled. It gets it just gets pulled immediately. They don't trust it. They kick it three weeks after, and it's on to the next. Try something else new. The, the, you know what? Euphoria season one didn't do fifty percent. It's a hundred percent over the ratings of the first season. Yellowstone is a hundred percent over the ratings of the second and third season. Sometimes you got to let something breathe. You got to you got to let it you got to put it out there. You got to take a risk and you got to commit to giving it the time. And uh you know when I did Youngwood it was unknown it had no tethers, no existing ties to anything uh it, you know because there wasn't a history that came before it. I couldn't look at Barry Windsor Smith's Youngwood, I couldn't look at John Burns' Youngwood, I couldn't look at Walt Simonson's Youngwood. I just had to make Youngwood and go. And after you guys had told me how much you liked it, you know, I came back with renewed vigor and vim and vigor. I'm going to be in, in incorporating that um, since I've, I've, I've been reawakened uh, to this Todd McFarlaneism. Um, and, and, and with issues six, seven, eight, nine, ten, I found my stride. Team Youngblood nine was in there. Um, because, you know, you guys responded and, and then I tried to up my game and come at you, you know, uh, better than ever before. That's not to say that there's not a time to revisit classics. Those are great. What what the point is that everybody should be more fearless about putting new stuff out there. All of us, myself included. Uh, given the fact that audiences are ready for something fresh. Not everything has to be from the Star Wars universe, the Marvel universe, the DC universe, the, you know, whatever extended, uh, expanded universe the, the 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 transformers universe i mean it's great um trust me i love reacher i love alan richson in the role i thought the entire first season was fantastic i binged it so fast but and i know that's based on the best-selling books of which there are many um but in, but on the on the flip side you got yellowstone you got 1883 and you've got euphoria new products in the TV streaming world that are finding great success that weren't based on anything existing. They just came at you with talent, conviction, and execution, and performance. And I think comic books, we can do the same. We should be more bold about putting our stuff out there and letting it breathe. And if I'm saying it, I'm going to have to enact it. Um, so, you know, a lot of... Uh, uh, again, writers can indulge in multiple projects. Artists buy just the trade of, of what we do and the time it takes. When you put on your dedicated artist hat, it takes more time, so it's hard to branch out and do more. But some, like a Scotty Young, is now branching out more as a writer, so he's indulging more of his ideas with other artists. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's what it's going to have to take. You know, get, getting a little more aggressive, getting more ideas, pushing them out there. In order to 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 expand, uh, you know, the imagination of what is in existence, you know, put new titles, new characters into play, because sometimes they can really connect. 
just like the Euphorias, the Yellowstones, the 1883s that have that have come out in season four of Yellowstone, 18 million viewers. Euphoria, 17 million viewers. 1883, I think, launched with like 14 million viewers. I mean, old school, hardcore, R-rated, cowboy, badassery. So, the point, we should all be trying more new stuff as publishers. I think the big two should be introducing maybe more new characters that aren't tied to existing, you know, that don't come from Gotham City, that don't come, you know, out of the Spider-Man group. And, uh, you know, let's see. Let's see what happens. Maybe nothing. Maybe maybe you're like, no, 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 life, I, I want my 20 Batman titles a month. And, and that's that's your thing. There's a reason they exist. Somebody's buying them. So I get that that side of the coin too. But something new and fresh is always fun. Camelot 3000, look it up. Brian Boland, Mike W. Barr, a new take on King Arthur um, and his Knights of the Realm in a futuristic setting against the backdrop of an alien invasion. It's fantastic. It should have, in fact, an absolute edition. It's that good. It's that amazing. Um, again, look at Alan Moore, robbed of the idea, uh, of the of the of the opportunity to do the Charlton characters. He flipped it, came up with Watchmen. We've been talking about it thirty years. So anyway, it's a challenge to everybody, myself included. I'm not, uh, you know, I, I I'm not uh, absent in 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 being involved in this. That would be absurd. So uh, just putting that out there. New stuff can really take. We just need to let it breathe. Let it. Um, you know, give it time, uh, stay consistent, uh, put it out, wait for it to find an audience and, you know, rock it away to the stars, just like these, these, this example of streaming shows is doing. And I understand that there's a, also a, a really trend in comics the last two years, uh, based on like the sentencing of like someone is following you home or the man down the river or, you know, the woman in the window across the street, like, which is a show actually that they did on Netflix. Um, I under, which was a parody of, of movies and, and novels that were based on that. But so, just so you know, so you don't have to tell me that, like, that was some parody life. I know that. I'm aware. Um, I can't mention anything on this show without, like, telling you, like, yes, I'm aware of the context. Uh, that's why I'm sharing it with you. And I understand uh, what, what the new sentencing, you know, um, um, the 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 little girl lost on the trail. It's this new um, the 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 sentence comics, the sentence titles. I know that those are out there. They're they're working with some to some degree. So that's kind of in the vein of what I'm talking about. Great, it's new, it's fresh. Hopefully, people are liking it, and I, and, and it's inspiring others to do more because new and fresh is good. And I guess that's the point. On to now the point of this show, which is drum roll, please. I do not have any sound effects. Drum roll, please. Imagine a drum roll. The Macho Awards. What? is the context, the Macho, the 2022 Macho Awards. I invoked on this show in season one my love of the $6 million man. I have my box set with all five seasons and the TV movies that I got in 2009 in my Time Life ordered box set, which when you open it goes, and if you... um open it all the way, it starts the theme song, na 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 Six Million Dollar Man was a big deal to all the kids growing up, and again, look no further than one, you know, his, 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 um, his right bionic eye, I mean his, uh, let's see, is it, this is, yes, yeah, the, the left bionic eye, the right bionic arm, or is it the right bionic eye, the right bionic, and a bionic, and two, two bionic legs, 
they even talk about this in the document in the documentary. Uh, Richard Anderson, not Richard Dean Anderson. That's MacGyver. Richard Anderson played Oscar Goldman. He was the handler, the uh, government official that handled all of the assignments with Lee Majors, who played Steve Austin. So Richard Anderson is Oscar Goldman, and Lee Majors was Steve Austin, and later they introduced the Bionic Woman, who was Jamie Summers. Uh, uh, Richard Anderson was going between both shows and would do both shows. And he gives an extended documentary, uh, an extended interview on a documentary that is included in the $6 million man box set. And if I have never uh, uh, cued the audio uh, before on this show, I, I know I've definitely dug up the clip and showed it to everybody on Twitter and Facebook because you guys responded to it so well. But um, uh, I guess this would be the time, if I have it, we're going to play it right after I set it up as I am now. And if we didn't play it, that's because we couldn't find it and implement it into the show. So there you go. Maybe um, by the time this is loaded, it'll be there, but I'll imitate it. If it, we didn't play it in its entirety, let me tell you that Richard Dean Anderson in describing Six Million Dollar Man and how he saw it, not Richard Dean Anderson, Richard Anderson, it's tricky, uh, says, we, we, we were a macho show. We were a macho. And uh, some of you guys have read that and, you, and, 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 and you've seen the clip and you're like, oh my gosh, I, you nailed it. It was just so funny and it just took me back to that time. The, the, the $6 million man about a bionic super agent, again, bionic strength in his arm and his I had telescopic vision and then he could run super fast. Every week was such a blast. I never missed it. He was kind of the, um, they, they talk about how they believe, Richard Anderson believes, the they were the blueprint for everything that Cameron did with the Terminator. They were the first big kind of cyborg on television. And certainly it was the premier influence on my own creation of Cable in the New Mutant slash X-Force. But, uh, in this documentary track, when he says, you know, we, we were a macho show. We were a macho. And he talks about majors, majors. He doesn't call them Lee Majors. He's, oh, majors wanted to do his own stunts. And majors did this. And majors, have, he'd have his shirt off. That entire time takes me back to, the, the entire show is like a 1974, 1978 experience. It's very exciting. Loved it. It is a staple of my youth. But when I invoked, a macho show and 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 talking about the comics that I like of yesteryear, especially Bronze Age comics. They feel so macho to me. I mean, Master of Kung Fu, so macho. Iron Fist, so macho. Karate Kid, the comic book, not the Ralph Macho movie. Um, and yes, there's a Karate Kid. He's in the Legion of Superheroes. They gave him his own series when the martial arts craze was going was you know blowing up. So macho. Power Man, Luke Cage, Power Man was macho. Wolverine was macho. The Hulk was macho. Macho in this constant, in this, in this context. Macho in this context. You need to take it that that it's action-oriented, brawny, brawny action. All right. So that that it, but brawny action awards doesn't sound as good as the macho awards. Now, let me also include that the reason you are even getting the macho awards is a, a guest of the show. He's it's been a while since he's been on, but retailer and convention ear. Supreme Jimmy SJ. He owns a mansion and a yacht. I always greet him. Uh, there's an old Bugs Bunny. I, I, you know, that 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 talked about a mansion and a yacht. So Jimmy J. Jimmy J. You've heard him on the show. 
He said, Rob, why aren't you doing the Macho Awards? And I'm like, Jimmy, I'm going to I'm gonna do it. And I'm going to tell everybody that you're the one that, that pivoted and told me to do it. I ran home. I made my list. Here we go with the Macho Awards. These are the titles, the creators that I, on my show, Robservation, beaming to you from my basement, uh, is going to deem as the most macho in each category this last year. Okay, there's no nominations. That's not how we're doing this. I'm just giving the awards, okay? And I, I feel these are hard-earned in, in the spirit of Richard Anderson as Oscar Goldman. That these are, these are macho. These are macho awards. These are macho. Because, okay, you guys have come up to me at all the different shows, all the different shows over the last two years. You guys have... On Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, you guys always go, macho, it's a macho show. And it's really become, you know, I've seen other people now go, oh, we're going to talk and make it macho. And they're not quite, you know, I, I, they're guys who tell me on Facebook, I, you know, I, I love your macho. And then they're now taking it on their own shows and, 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 and adopting the moniker that literally no one was talking about until I dug out my documentary of, of Six Million Dollar Man and invoked Richard Anderson, who is... He even talked about how he tanned on the set because in this documentary, he's so tan. He's the tannest man ever. It's like George Hamilton orange. And he's like, oh, I would tan in between takes. I'd, I'd have my mirror, my 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 mirror that I'd re- re- reflect the, the, the sun on me. And, and majors would would give me a hard time about my my, my sunning, my tanning. But we, we, were, we were macho. It's a macho show. These are macho awards. Here we go. Welcome to the macho 2022 awards we're just going to get best series right out of the way okay we're going to start like well, i'm not going to make you wait till the end of the show because this would be like like this would be like what you what you would get at the end of the show but i'm not waiting till the end of the show i'm starting it right now i'm giving you giving you the award that, that we're just going to kick it off with the biggest and the best the series best series macho award the macho award for best series there can be only one and it goes to the last Ronin from IDW. Okay, the last Ronin from IDW. How macho is this comic? Okay, it has karate, it has martial arts, it has a grizzled old turtle who is without his former teenage mutant ninja turtle pals. He is using size and swords and knives. There's action. There's there's bow staffs, there's sewer battles, there's alleyway fights, there's ninjas. Um, you couldn't get more macho if you tried. There's 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 turtles in cars and motorbikes, okay? Um, the last Ronin is so macho and so successful that it has been incredibly late, like super late, like months upon months in between issues, but when they show up, people gobble it up. It was the number one book that IDW has done maybe in their publishing history. Um, and that is no small feat given that it is a $10 comic, not even comic book size, more magazine size, but uh, square bound like Dark Knight. And very much uh, Kevin Eastman, the creator of the Turtles, was uh, setting out to do a Dark Knight themed in the same way that it was we were doing with the older Batman and Frank Miller's uh, Dark Knight uh, Returns. Kevin Eastman, who... Frank was a big influence on him, and, and, and one of the reasons that he and Peter Laird gave us the Turtles is their um, absolute inspiration from the Daredevil and the Ronin 
comic. Again, speaking of something completely original like Yellowstone, Euphoria, 1883, just kind of going back to the opening there. Ronan was brand new. Frank gave us something brand new. Guys like me, we we, we consumed it. I have the artist edition, the giant oversized hardcover art edition of Ronan. I, I, I am, am just completely consumed by it often. But that inspired Kevin to do the 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 Eastman and Laird to do the tur- turtles, and uh, in 2020, it was scheduled. It was late. It was late. It was late, and every issue has been late afterwards. And I'm actually using it as a strength because people cannot stop showing up. Uh, issue five is, is shipping uh, in, in the next month. It got bumped another month since, like since last week. It was coming out like. Next week, and then now it's coming out in a month. It just keeps getting bumped, but people keep showing up. It goes back to press. It has second printings, third printings on every single issue. People cannot get enough of it. It is the saga of in the future. I'm not, I'm not even going to tell you which turtle is the last Ronin, but it's great. It's getting a spinoff. Action figure statues. People have flipped. It was the right book at the right time. It invokes all the feels. It's action-packed. It never forgets to move, to hustle, to excite. It's got twisted, you know, some some great twists and turns and mysteries. But above all else, the last Ronin is macho. It's a macho. It's a macho comic, okay? Richard Anderson would call it macho. Uh, The turtle that cannot be stopped with all his weapons. It has weapons. It has hand-to-hand combat action, like I said, sewer fights alley fights just it's gritty it's yes it's grim and it happens to deserve above all other comics no other comic books are this aggressive this action oriented this macho the last ronin is the 2022 macho series okay congratulations Kevin Eastman because we're rolling this right into most macho writer and how do you not you know give the macho award to the writer who wrote the series that won most macho so most macho writer our most macho award for most macho writer goes to none other than Kevin Eastman who is kicking all sorts of righteous ass producing writing uh sometimes many doing producing many covers but um just what a testament to uh, his talent that he has revisited. You know, IDW has been doing turtles for years and they're doing good. They do good. They do well, but they didn't, this struck a chord getting the original creator back with his original creations, with this inspired message, uh, this, this great tale, this mystery, all this action. Um, it, it, it is, it is nothing short than fantastic the twists, the turns, the, the 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 absolute commitment to to really making it so action oriented, it's it's just it's just stellar. It's fantastic. I cannot recommend more highly. I can't wait till they compile all of the editions into one giant massive hardcover that we're all going to be killing ourselves for. But I mean, this thing has gone back to press a gazillion times. Every issue has a million covers. People love this. It is. It is epic. It's fantastic. I highly recommend it. How do you not give it to the writer? Well, we didn't make that mistake. We did give it the best, uh, the, 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 the macho award for best writer of 2022 goes to Kevin Eastman, who also gave us the macho award for best series last Ronin. So we are burning through the macho awards 
faster than you can say 1883. Okay. Next up, we have Macho Artist. Now, this one may take you a little by surprise, but it shouldn't. Um, over the years, I've watched not only this guy just continue to hone his talents and become more and more innovative. He hasn't lost his edge, his sharp, aggressive edge. I've talked often about the feminine line and the and the masculine line, so much so that I was I even was like to my wife, like, am I gonna get canceled for using these terms? These are actually actual terms that you learn in art school. And prior to breaking in, I took many semesters at Fullerton College with a number of different um, exquisite art instructors. Dr. Nixon Bora, who everyone applauds and thought was one of as one of the best um, art instructors at Fullerton College, not Cal State Fullerton, Fullerton College. My friend said, no, the best guy is at Fullerton College. Go take Bora's class. I took Nixon Bora's class, his life drawing class, figure drawing class. Um, I, I still have the giant oversized pads where we did all the different character studies, the dedicated, the long studies, the 40-minute studies, the 20-minute studies, the the, the five-minute gestures. Um, he explained the feminine line and the masculine line, which again, the fastest way to tell you something in the terms of words on a podcast, get, get, like paint a word picture is brush lines are more, uh, 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 that's a soft line. That would also be called a feminine line. A, a gritty quo, crow quill pen, a dip pen, a sc the scratch on the bristol, the, the, the markers and how hard I, I use them, that's more of a masculine line, okay? Uh, yeah, even in the, in, in, in Scott McCloud's, um, you know, uh, discovering comics, comic book, forget the title, but he says the jagged lines of Rob Liefeld defined an age. So, I mean, there it is. I mean, and he, and he actually says that the Jack Kirby, Joe Sinnott line was a softer line, but that by the nineties, things had hardened and become more jagged again, more aggressive. You can, you can say, you can say a, a, a passive and aggressive line now because you can take the, the gender out of it. But I did actually Google it to, to see for sure after I said that to my wife because, again, why, why ponder it? Once I asked myself, I just Googled it. Passive, uh, uh, masculine and, and, and feminine lines are still in the vernacular in regards to art in the way they are presented. So that's why I'm going out of my way. This guy's always had a very aggressive masculine line and it's only become more sharp and, uh, and, 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 and edgy. And I think he's fantastic. And, and one thing, and the number one reason he's getting this is, um, there are very few guys when we were breaking up, when, <laughs> when we were breaking in all of us, my peer group, Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane, myself, Larson, the, all the guys at that time, the, the, the prerequisite, and you had to go back in time. There was such an emphasis on Wolverine, but not everybody pulled Wolverine off. You didn't, um, for instance, there was an artist that that followed the Claremont kind of followed up his Wolverine miniseries with Frank Miller, and there was an artist who did that. And uh, I, when I go to Bronze Age groups, pre people still kind of are very they, they they're very they, they deride the efforts on this because he he just didn't draw a good Logan or a good Wolverine. And when I mean good, I mean commercial. There was definitely a good a, a style established. Somewhere between John Byrne and Arthur Adams was the way that you drew Wolverine. 
And if you wanted to be popular and break into that next level of success, you got your hands on Wolverine and you delivered a fan favorite slick version giving all of the kind of commercial applications that people wanted from Wolverine. Hairy arms, stout, tight, good poses, gritted teeth, a certain way that you handled the mask, you know, not too, uh, the, 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 his mask kind of flare out, kind of, you know, fins, wings had to go a certain level, but not too much, not too high, not too crazy. Then as Logan, again, it's the style of the hair, the grit of the teeth, the stubble on the chin, you know, the features, the, the, the posing of the figure, all of it mattered. The slick lines, it feels like, and, and all of us, myself, Todd, and, and Jim had great success with Wolverine. When I did a what-if issue, what if Wolverine was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., it blew up. And, and that was me trying to show, like, I know how to give you a Wolverine you really like. And, and, it, and it worked. It got even more buzz around my career going. And then when I put Wolverine in, in the New Mutants to Battle Cable, boom, more buzz. Every time um, I have a good tracker with Wolverine, everyone in my peer group, Eric Larson did a Marvel Comics Presents with Wolverine and Spider-Man. They're fantastic. They're so fun. And again, we all kind of stuck to somewhere again, but between the John Byrne and the Art Adams blueprint is where you will find the perfect Wolverine. Well, I got I to gotta be honest. I've seen a lot of people go far away from Wolverine, okay? Far away from, from the, the commercial renditions, that there are some very feminine, passive, soft renditions that I see of Wolverine, and I'm speaking in an artistic sense. And I look at him lately in, in, in so many different depictions, and I go, I don't know that I would ever have fallen in love with this character if this was the way that he was depicted to me as a kid. I got Cockrum, I got Byrne, I got Paul Smith. You know, um, that was enough. That that That's, you know... That's like five, six years of kick-ass Wolverine. I, why would I expect anything less? Well, this artist, our macho artist of the year, draws and has always drawn and continues to draw the most badass Wolverine. And sometimes when I look and see the other comics, I'm like, what are they trying to do here? This is not how you communicate the maximum potential of Wolverine. It feels like it's lost. I don't know what's going on with the way people are depicting Wolverine, but he's the depictions of him have gotten softer. But not for Adam Kubert, who is not only an exceptional Wolverine artist, an exception, exceptional artist all around, his characters are brawny. You feel the rage on their face, in their poses, in their flexed muscles, in their in their hyperextended gestures, in his crackling, sharp ink line. Adam Kubert is our macho artist of 2022 and honestly he could just get it on on the basis and strength of his wolverine alone right when i think that they've lost their way with wolverine boom adam kubert is drawing him for someone somewhere and the gestures are great the poses are great the proportions are great the rage is there the gritted teeth the sharp teeth a little fang popping through plenty of hair on the biceps and the forearms and the grit and the pose and the tension in the arms and the flex of the chest. You guys, Adam Kubert, baby. Adam Kubert is and maintains our macho artist of 2022. I cannot, you know, think of someone who is keeping macho alive more than Adam Kubert at Marvel. 
Macho Artist of the Year. It's Oscar Goldman, Richard Anderson would say, he's a macho artist. He's macho. Adam Kubert, you are our macho artist of 2022. We're so thankful you're still making comics. So we got Kevin Eastman, macho writer. Last Ronin, macho series. Adam Kubert, the macho artist of 2022. We got to keep this train chugging down these tracks. Because next up, we are doing our macho MIA of 2022. This MIA could actually go back about eight years. Missing in Action, our Missing in Action Macho Award. We miss this artist so much. He could draw rings around everyone. You've heard me mention him often on this show. I'm just going to read what the envelope says. It's Mark Silvestri. Mark, come back to us. Faster, the better. Mark Silvestri, the greatest artist of our generation, of my generation. He drew the most beautiful women, the most handsome men, Cyclops, Warren Worthington, the angel, you know, Havoc, Alex Summers, Scott Summers, Logan Wolverine. You want to talk about a kick-ass Wolverine and a kick-ass Logan and a beautiful Storm and Madeline Pryor and Jean Grey and Dazzler and Rogue and then Cyberforce and then the Darkness and Witchblade. Um... There is, a, he may be my, my, one of my favorite artists of all time. He literally draws rings around all of us. Um, Mark came to prominence without the benefit of like a slick, uh, really super commercial inker like Byrne had Terry Austin and Scott Williams, what Scott was doing with Wills and Jim. Uh, Mark just has amazing fundamentals, always did, and then he added flare and he said to me at image i get it i get now his you know what to do on the page his page designs check out what he was doing on the on 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 x-men for all those years in wolverine and then on cyberforce and all his image stuff and, and on the darkness and how he started doing bigger figures bigger heads um incorporating his own amazing brand of rendering now in 2017 sitting with at dinner with mark with the other image guys, we were getting together. Uh, myself, Robert Kirkman, Eric Larson, Mark Silvestri, Jim Valentino uh, were, were having breakfast. And he showed me pages of a Batman series that he's been working on since 2014. This is a six, seven year endeavor. It may have been 2013, but it's for sure 2014. It's th- There are pages that I witnessed that he showed me on his iPhone. Of, of Harley Quinn that she would, it would literally become the best rendition of Harley Quinn you've ever seen. I was blown away. Mark's faces, his beautiful women, his gestures, um, his Batman is phenomenal. It's that rendering, that storytelling, those gestures, that strength of figure, the beautiful hair, the gorgeous upturned noses. They always have that little kind of tweak, the women especially. it The Joker, Batman, Harley Quinn, they've never looked better. When you see it, you will be blown away. Apparently, he's still doing it. They're not going to release until he's done all of it. It's going to be phenomenal. Uh, but but he, Mark Silvestri, my fellow image brethren, fellow image founder, is our macho missing in action. We want you back so bad, Mark. Please come back to us so that we don't have to give this to you again in 2023. Because if this Batman thing isn't out, you're going to get this again. This is the Macho Missing in Action Award is Mark Silvestri. We want you back. You're the best. You draw rings around everyone else. 
please share that with us as soon as you possibly can. Macho, uh, uh, we're, we're going to build down to a few more real quick. Macho publisher of the year is IDW. You can't publish the 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 most macho series of the year and not win most macho publisher. Also, they publish GI Joe and 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 Transformers and the Turtles. And even if this is the last year that they'll have them all under one umbrella, let's give most macho publisher to IDW. Who I mean, come on, man. I feel like Last Ronin just kind of saved my faith in comics. So so IDW is racking up all the wins. Last Ronin is our runaway winner of the last year with this incredible effort. So IDW is our macho. They're, they're a macho publisher. Macho. Macho publisher of the year goes to IDW. Fantastic. Thank you for this gift of The Last Ronin. And, and hopefully it inspires and there's going to be way more of that to come. We have literally three more awards. Most Macho Show. We're going to pivot out of comics real quick because we've done artists, we've done writer, we've done series, we've done publisher. We're going to pivot. Wrote, Most Macho Show is a tie. Mr. Taylor Sheridan with the aforementioned 1883 and Yellowstone. Gun battles, Indians, Cowboys versus Indians. Every little boy in the 70s, like myself, had a holster. And probably in the 50s and 60s because cowboy shows were everywhere. Rifleman, alias Smith and Jones, Gunsmoke for 20 seasons, okay? Um, Bonanza, Big Valley. Uh, you, 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 I, there's a million I'm not saying. How the West was won. Just uh, incredible. In, I mean, Lonesome Dove in the, in the 80s. Um, Cowboys, Westerns, we love them. They've been missing for so long. And But when you were a kid, you had your holster, and you had your cowboy hat, and you had your boots, and you were... Before Star Wars... It was all about cowboys and Indians. I got my Fort Apache playset. I'm sitting on it. I shared it on Instagram during Christmas. And a couple different people in the comics industry went, That I had that. I had the Fort Apache. They're, they're, they're my age. Of course they did. And it came with an assembly of little tiny cowboys and tiny Indians and the fort. And 1883 is the R-rated version of that. It's people just shooting arrows into other people and they're running around shooting other people with the arrows in them shooting people in the head scalping we are getting so many scalpings on this show um just uh unbelievable uh uh barroom battles shootouts billy bob thornton is in episode i think two three of, of 1883 and it is breathtaking how the violence suddenly just gets turned up all the way to 10 Yellowstone, the premiere, picked up on the season finale of season three. That amazing, the cops shoot out with, with, with the bad guys, the rifles, the guns, the pistols. I mean, these are action on the range show, and I am completely and 100% there for them all the time. Macho shows of the year. 1883, Sam Elliott with that deep voice. Oh, he's so, oh, he's so good. Costner, Elliot, Tim McGraw going, yes, I can act as well as I sing. He's amazing. Faith Hill is amazing. Uh, cannot recommend these shows more highly. Yellowstone, 1883. They are, they are our tie. 1883, Yellowstone, the Taylor Sheridan Western verse as it continues to grow and expand. Both shows, by the way, are telling the story of the same family, the Duttons. 
their ancestors in 1883 and the current Dutton clan headed by Kevin Costner in Yellowstone. That is our macho show. It's a macho. It's a macho show. It's a macho. All they're missing is bionics. All that's missing is one of Costner's sons to get in an accident and go see the government and get their bionic implants in. And then, boom, all the heads will explode in the world. Okay. So, two more to go on the Macho Awards. Macho 2022. Um, we're giving the, 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 the most in need of macho, the, 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 the most in need, the franchise, the character that is, uh, that, that needs, that needs macho. Okay. It, 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 this is, this is a character that has lost their macho way. They are no longer a brawny action, uh, experience. And, and I make no bones about it, that this character needs it so badly. And that character is a one-time phenomenon that carried seven titles there there is again on twitter there is a handle called the rack spinner um and it's handle rack spinner slash spinner rack and they put up whatever was on sale whatever day it is that you're looking throughout the different eras uh bronze 90s you know kind of as i understand it works in the period where there was spinner racks, which there aren't really those anymore. But there was one that I came upon from 1978. And this this character had six comic books in one week. Obviously, they all got backed up. They dumped them in one week. Excuse me, it was seven. I will list them for you. It was Superman. It was Action Comics. It was DC Comics Presents the Superman team-up book. It was Superman Family, which was an oversized book that was committed to giving you all the adventures of Superman, Supergirl, Jimmy Olsen, the Superman Family. He was front and center on that month's Justice League. He was front and center on the cartoon tie-in Super Friends, and the Super is in the same logo as Superman. And then there was a giant-sized oversized treasury edition of Superman versus Shazam, DC's Captain Marvel. Superman was once the most popular character to be published at DC. It was, he was always ridiculously popular, which is why they made the movie with Richard Donner and the Sal Kynes and cast Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder. And it became a worldwide blockbuster, obviously Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor that quickly, a couple of years later, they, they, they put together the other footage that they shot during that same time to, 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 to make Superman two, which kids of my age gobbled up even more than Superman. Superman movie is technically the better film but superman 2 is is more fun for kids who love comic books but uh prior to that there was already action comics superman dc comics presents superman family rotating like four or five comics then he exploded to seven i want that superman back the superman that was brawny that was macho that was action oriented that was event oriented that that people rallied around now it's just people who who just can't seem to they whine, oh, you can't do Superman stories. He's too popular. I mean, you can't do Superman stories. He's too powerful. That's what they say. He's too powerful. Bullshit. He is singularly the greatest comic book, the greatest superhero of all time. It is a damn shame that he is not popping. The last giant event um, outside of the death kind of gimmick 
was when John Byrne relaunched him. And I've done an entire dedicated uh, podcast to that era, that incredible relaunch when John Byrne, the man of steel, and he's on the Today Show promoting it. DC rolled out the red carpet. It was a big deal. Time Magazine, I mean, it was a complete reset. It was incredible. It was crackling with excitement. The, 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 the Superman was on top. He was just getting all of the attention again. But again, there was a period in 1978 that in one week, they'd ship seven Superman... Superman comics. Now that's not optimal, but clearly they just got backed up and you know, it, it's like what I'm saying now, 20 Batman comics a month. There was one week right at the beginning of the year, there was eight Batman comics or, or more, 12 in one week recently. And retailers were like, you know, they can't buy them all. So I'm here to tell you that Superman used to be the most attractive piece. He's colorful. He's bright. He's bold. He's got a great history. He's an alien. He, 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 he lives among us. He's trying to show us the best version of himself, which we should adopt as the best version of ourselves. He has an arsenal of powers that, that should attract all manner of kick-ass stories and ideas. And, uh, you know, I may just follow the model that John Byrne has done in creating this X-Men comic that he puts online and just give you my Superman stories in the next year and, and then you're like, but wait, didn't you start this saying I, you should do something original? Hey, man, there, there, there's always time for something new. You know, sometimes you got to run out the clock. And, and, and maybe, like I said, because I just, it, it is crazy to me that I cannot find a Superman comic that I love that stirs me, that, that has the, the macho, the macho elements that I, that, that, that I fell in love with the character. I would buy everything Superman as a kid, everything. Superman Muhammad Ali, Superman Captain Marvel. Okay, Superman, you know, Shazam, Superman, the, the DC Comics present Superman, Omax, Superman, Supergirl, Superman, Legion of Superheroes, Superman, Hawkman. I mean, I ate it up. I, I bought the Superman families. I bought Super Friends. I bought Justice League as far as long as he was front and center. I could not get enough of Superman. I long for the return of that. Superman is the 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 award for needing macho, who needs to get their macho back, is. In 2022, is is Superman? Please, DC Comics, restore Superman to the greatness, with, with action-oriented, brawny, in, amazing, noble, uh, in, in, in innovative uh, stories that befit this most amazing icon. So we are down to our last of our Macho Awards of 2022, and the last one. As with every show, you give a Lifetime Achievement Award, and there is no one more deserving of this award than someone who touched so many of my peer group's youths. He continues to touch our lives. He has a catalog of, 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 of work um, with both of the major companies. Not as much indie work in his, in his career, but it doesn't matter. Uh, he did memorable runs on the Avengers, on the Justice League, on the Fantastic Four, with characters like The Thing. He did uh, amazing covers on the X-Men and an incredible standalone uh, X-Men annual. He gave the world the new Teen Titans alongside his collaborator Marv Wolfman with Cyborg and Changeling, no not Changeling, Starfire, Raven, they just gave a new moniker to Changeling and made him more exciting than anything he'd ever been. But you got 
Trigon and Deathstroke and Brother Blood. Um, he then finally got to, re, to to live out his dream, giving you the ultimate Marvel superhero crossover in JLA Avengers in the early 2000s, the Lifetime Achievement Award, the Macho Lifetime Achievement Award for a career that is most macho. It's macho. He's got a macho career. Is George Perez. But not only because of the pictures that he put down. When George Perez, when, when he had somebody hit someone, you felt that there's an issue of the Teen Titans where they encounter the Russian superhero or the Russian, you know, super soldier named Red Star. And uh, he battles the Titans. He's like a really formidable opponent, strength, speed. And he takes them all on and he is uh, punching each of them through walls, swinging a tree that the punches, whenever George's character landed a punch, whenever they blasted you, whenever they flew you into a building, you felt it. He had the brawny action that I'm talking about. That uh, that X-Men annual when Archon arrives from his different, he's like a space barbarian from his uh, uh, different dimension. He was introduced in an early uh, Avengers storyline with Roy Thomas and John Buscema. But when George had Archon punch Colossus across the, the lawn of the Xavier's mansion, it is such a powerful hit. He never failed to excite with his just amazing superhero action, the detail that he put into it. Again, the brawn, the sheer macho, but that's not enough because George in, in, in informed all of us earlier this year, late last year, that he was uh, in essence dying, uh, had a, had a, uh, had a uh, diagnosis uh, that was going to uh, you know, be fatal and 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 uh, threaten his life, and he chose his own path. He chose his own road, and he and he made his own decision that he didn't want to um, uh, uh, lessen the quality of his life with all of the different treatments and commitments to all of the different treatments that would be required to just merely keep him alive. He expresses all to all of us in a letter that he wrote. And I've done a dedicated podcast to George himself and the, and the absolute, uh, just the amazing work that he did and the power that, 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 that he had to move generations of fans. George has, uh, is, is most macho uh, for his decision to live his life on his own terms, even here at the end, as we've all followed him, as he is, um, you know, uh, just kind of walking in his own words, his last days and, uh, you know, um, is facing this terminal illness with the bravery, uh, of, 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 of every superhero that he ever depicted. And with the bravery, the charm, the nobility, he is someone we should all look up to. I know I do. I know you do. And that is more important than all of the amazing lines that he put down to stir me. Is, is the way that he has uh, conducted himself in this, um, what is supposed to be, according to him, his last chapter, but who knows? He may just keep, uh, you know, walking the walk his way and, and, uh, and extend his time and his life on his terms, 
and nothing would surprise me. But so thankful that George, his life graced us, his talent graced us, and he is the recipient of our very first Macho Lifetime Achievement Award. George Perez, the Macho Work, the Macho Life, a life, uh, you know, that was uncompromised, lived on his own terms, even even in how he stared down this uh, terminal illness and diagnosis. And uh, thank you, George. We love you. I love you. Thank you for all that you've done. You are our lifetime recipient of the Macho 2022 Award. Amazing. Um, bless you, sir. You guys, that con- concludes the handing out the identification of the Macho Awards 2022. These are macho achievements. They are macho comics. They are macho talents. And I'm so excited to have interacted with each and every single one of them. And uh, we will come back a year from now and do the second annual Macho Awards. I can't wait. I'm so excited. So thanks for that. Kevin Eastman, Adam Kubert, Mark Silvestri, uh, Superman, IDW, George Perez, uh, the, the last Ronin. These are your macho recipients. So uh, thank you guys for embracing it, for greeting me at all the shows, telling me this. I did these awards the minute Jimmy put this bee in my bonnet. I had to just act on it. Here they are. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did bringing it to you. Um, at the end of every episode, I read your reviews. We need them so bad. It, it is so important to stand out in in this uh, in 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 this environment on this platform. Our our viewership, our numbers are through the roof. You guys are out there. You are preaching. Uh, you are you are sharing this show with so many. I am so excited. I am going to read you two two of the reviews that are left for this show. We appreciate the five stars, the recommendations, the the positive reviews that you put on uh, the different platforms. It really helps us. It's it's helping us so much. And I'm so uh, grateful to you for what you read. This one was a pleasant surprise. You may know uh, this guy. He's amazing. His name is Clay Mann. He draws Batman Catwoman. He's um, done work for all the major publishers. He did X-Men work for Marvel. He did Valiant work. He has really um, done a, a, a healthy amount of Batman uh, titles uh, over the last couple of years. Look up anything Clay, M-A-N-N, has drawn. It's beautiful. It's, it's, he, he draws the most beautiful men and women. They're, 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 um, he himself is quite a handsome man. So it's almost like all his men, he's just kind of giving a variation on his own handsome face, the reflection in the mirror. Um, I, I was actually fortunate enough to, uh, he was a big fan of Shatterstar. And I was um, asked by a retailer that was having him for an appearance to draw a Shatterstar for him. Uh, and that was all. That was a, a huge pleasure. And this was early on in Clay's work before he really found his way to these A-list assignments. He left a review. It says, thanks for the company. It says, hey guys, my name is Clayman. I draw comics. You may know me from Batman. It's not you. It's Batman. He he definitely listens to the show. Very funny. Anyway, as your recent podcast mentioned, it can be a lonely job drawing comics. 
and having this podcast while I draw is a lot of fun and makes the job easier. Thank you for the company, which is the title of the review. Thanks for the company. Clay, thank you. Thank you for kicking ass, giving us great comics, sharing your amazing talent, your beautiful illustration, the beautiful men, women, heroes, heroines that you draw and depict. I appreciate it so very much. Thank you so much. This uh, was sent to me on Facebook and uh, I really, really, it really touched me. I'm going to, um, I'm going to share, share it with you guys uh, right now. It, it's, uh, let me see if I'm going to read the whole thing. This is from a gentleman named John Midgley. He writes to me and he says, Mr. Liefeld, I wanted to reach out to you and let you know how much your podcast and your work have been very helpful to me. I was an avid comic book collector in the 90s and fell out of form in the 2000s. Once in a while, I'd read an occasional graphic novel, normally something by Frank Miller, but overall, not much. When you started your podcast, I immediately jumped in for a bit of nostalgia. However, your enthusiasm and expertise drew me right back. I started reading on Comixology the books that you recommended and then went through your back catalog. And your current work, Snake Eyes, was the first new comic book that I purchased in 20 years. I was inspired to start drawing again, which I hadn't really done since I was a teenager. I went through several drawing books in order to try and learn, since I had never had any formal training. I did the How to Draw Comics a Marvel Way, and then I purchased the full Joe Kubert homeschool curriculum, which I am currently working my way through. I happened to be a very successful magician within the magic community, and so I began making posters for magicians who didn't have posters but deserved to have them. In the last couple of years, I have improved immensely, and in the last six months, I have begun doing my own colors. I was paying someone else previously to do that. I wanted to share these illustrations with you. Um, this form doesn't allow images. I wanted to send you links so that you could see them. I looked at them. They're amazing. John, you're extremely talented. He ends by saying, thank you again for your work and your positive energy and your infectious attitude. Sincerely, John Midgley. John, thank you. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate getting these notes. Um, there are times, I'll be honest, where I'm like, what am I doing doing this podcast? Why am I talking into this mic? Um, but it's become kind of a habit, maybe a little bit of, of, uh, of, of you know, I'm, I'm, I've got the fever for this in the same way that I had comic books, but Thank you, John Midgley. Thank you, Clayman, for sharing your recommendations, for sharing your positive reviews with us. This show needs them. They make a difference. Thank you, guys. I will always um, read them at the end of each show when you send them in. And uh, I, I, I just am so thankful for your guys' support of the show across all of social media. You can find me on social media. I am on Twitter, at Robert Leifel, the full name, R-O-B-E-R-T, L-I-E-F-E-L-D with the blue check. It tells you it's really me. I love talking to you guys, listening to you guys, um, going back and forth with you guys. I really won't argue with you guys. So I told you that's, that's not a game I play anymore. I learned my etiquette, but I do, um, enjoy, um, exchanging pleasantries with you guys. Thank you so much for talking to me on Twitter, on Instagram. I am at Rob Liefeld, another blue check. Uh, you guys, I read all your comments, your DMs, your messages. I, I love interacting with you guys on that platform. Thank you so much for always um, reaching out and being so kind and for the likes and the follows and the positive um, interaction. This show, Rob Observations with Rob Liefeld, is a dedicated Facebook page. Please go to it, um, like it, make a comment, uh, interact with us there. I will find it. I will see it. I will respond to it. I'm all over Facebook. I have my own page. 
Um, I have my own groups, the Rob Liefeld Extreme Group. I have my own personal page. I read all the stuff that you guys leave for me. Um, just please, just try and be informed. Don't say stuff that's that's goofy. Um, sometimes people just like, you know, if somebody asks you, um, would you rather win an award or 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 sell a comic book, and then you're like, um, well, you respond to something with, well. Well, they were nominated. Well, the question wasn't, would you be nominated? It, the question was about winning. I'm telling you. Sometimes, sometimes, nails on the chalkboard, right, guys? Um, Facebook, anyway, I'm all over the place. I'm there. Reach me. Talk to me. I love hearing from you. I love our exchanges. You guys, it's time to go. That is the end of another show. Thank you for spending it with me. I'm so excited. I hope you enjoyed the Macho Awards. I think each and every recipient um, was was more than, than qualified. We will have female winners in in the future. We will have all manner, um, but 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 these were when I looked at the criteria of what I enjoyed and what touched me and what I felt was most macho. Of course, I would have loved to have given it to 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 a female. And there's great female talent out there. All the pronouns are doing great talent, but these just happen to be guys this time around next next year. You know, let, let's look at the material then and we'll come at you and give you a new round of Macho Awards. But for now, it's the time where we commit to um, taking care of each other. You're going to take care of yourself. You're going to chill out. You're going to read a fun comic, a good book. You're going to watch a great show. You're going to eat good food. You're going to chill. We need to chill. These, are, these times are difficult. They're crazy. And uh, you deserve a break. Take one. And make sure that after you take that break, you circle back. And you meet me here because we are going to talk again real soon.